I've had a series of conversations about media in our community, and I was taken aback by a comment that was made to me when somebody mentioned, you know, Hector, it's just our community is unsophisticated. Our community really does not have the sophistication necessary to be able to develop the kind of media that our community needs. I was taken aback by that particular comment, and so today's roundtable discussion is going to be precisely about that. Where are we headed with media? Where should our community go? Joining us, we have a great group of individuals, uh, very well-respected media veterans in our community that have been around the media circles for a while and ready to discuss this kind of topic. So joining us, we have Roy Ortega. Of course, we all know Roy Ortega from his uh, kind of history with our community and the news business, whether it be the El Paso Times or his days on television. And we also have joining us a very well-known and respected Gary Warner. Gary, thank you for joining us. Roy, thank you for joining us today. Our pleasure. My pleasure to be here. I was taken aback, guys. A comment like that coming from people in the media business in our community saying, you know what? At the end of the day, Hector, our community is not sophisticated enough. How do you react to that kind of uh, conversation or discussion? Whenever I travel, one of the things I do is look at the local television news wherever I happen to be in other parts of the country. And I think at one time the criticism you're talking about was valid. But I think the El Paso market has changed and matured and, and improved over the decades. What I see in other cities is a great reliance on breaking news, the traffic accidents, uh, the robberies, the, the blood and guts type of thing. I see more reliance in El Paso, uh, well, less reliance in El Paso on that, and a changing environment where you see more enterprise news, digging out the news, going behind the scenes, originating stories by the local stations. I think the second factor that you see here in El Paso is years ago, the talent on air was rotating mm -hmm. among the stations in and out of El Paso, and there wasn't a lot of uh, institutional memory, if you will, among the individuals here. Over the years, you'll find people are staying here much longer, four, five, six years and longer, and some of them want to stay here for their entire careers. That builds that institutional memory, and that in turn improves the product. So uh, summarizing, I think what, what your critic said at one time, in my opinion, was true, yeah. but I think it's changing and it's changing for the better. We've, we've had the loss of, of the El Paso Herald Post, uh, that began a while back, of course. And then we've also had uh, shrinking options in terms of media. There's uh, one conglomerate in our community that really has a corner on the Spanish market. We also have another group of news stations that are in our community. But uh, two of the local news stations that used to be rivals are actually now owned by the same uh, company. And so a lot of people talking about a shrinking information base how, how do how do we respond to a shrinking information base is that good or is that bad like you i was also appalled to hear someone say that the uh, that the market is unsophisticated uh, uh, but my question is uh, is it the are they referring to the media outlets or are they referring to the the viewing public the readership uh, uh, I, I don't agree with that. I don't yeah. agree that, that the listeners, viewers, people who access information uh, are in, unsophisticated. I think what's happening is that we are seeing a massive change in the way people are accessing news and information services these days as opposed to 
uh, 20, 30 years ago when, when Gary and I were getting started in the business. Uh, the digital age is upon us, and right. I think that, uh, that that has had a, a huge impact on the way people are accessing their news. And what we're seeing a lot more these days, and this is something that has been going on for a long, long time, is that there has been this, this fragmentation of the audience. Uh, and I think people uh, have many, many other choices other than just the newspaper or, or TV stations or radio stations to get news and information services. And so uh, I, I think that when you look at how people are accessing their news these days, uh, I don't think that you can argue that they are less sophisticated than they've been in the past. I, I was kind of taken aback by a, a, a recent uh, comment, and, and, all, and I also looked it up on the internet. It was just trying to verify less and less readers to the newspaper. Um, and political talk radio canceled in El Paso, Texas uh, because of a dwindling audience. Kind of feeds that thought process of maybe the market is unsophisticated, yet from what I've seen there's, there's an upsurge in local news talk, I mean lo local news channels, uh, people watching local news again. Why the difference? I think we're in the middle of an evolution, uh, and I don't know the direction of that evolution. Way back when the primary source of information was newspapers, and you could go to a large city like New York or Chicago, they might have had ten daily newspapers publishing. Yeah. Well, radio comes along, and, and the prediction comes along, oh, this is going to kill the newspapers because who will want to read when you can listen to it on, on the radio? Television comes along and they predict the demise of radio because who's going to listen to things when you can watch and see them at the same time? And for a long time, television was the most powerful medium that there was. And, and still, I think, at this point is, although the Internet is beginning to replace it, I think what we're seeing here is an evolution, as Roy said, to the digital age. We don't know where that's leading now, uh, but I think the predictions of the demise of the existing outlets may be premature. They, they too will evolve in some way, we just don't know how yet. And, and, and let me point something out. out yeah. One thing that I didn't mention is that the, the, the social networks are playing a huge role these days. I, I'm, I'm just amazed at something like Facebook, yeah. uh, where uh, every day I log on uh, once or twice a day to check to, to see what people are saying on Facebook. and you know, people are not unsophisticated on Facebook at all. Right. It's just the opposite, right. in fact. Uh, there, there are things uh, that I'm learning about what other people are, are, are thinking and saying that leads me to believe that they are much more informed uh, today than they have ever been about just about everything around them. And I'm not talking about just yeah. news, I'm talking about every, even such things as uh, mundane as, as gardening tips and things like that that I see on, on Facebook. Uh, people are taking advantage of these kinds of new uh, delivery options for for information that uh, that weren't there before, and I, I think that when you talk about uh, lack of sophistication, that doesn't exist, Hector. I, I can tell you that. Yeah. You know? Well, we have a market, yeah. guys. I mean, we have a market that talks English yeah. and Spanish, uh, over 50% bilingual. I mean, we have a market that is very technologically savvy between the ages of 18 to 35 years of age, and they're getting all of their news in these new ways. In fact, this very show is immediately after it's broadcast, it's put on, on YouTube and then it goes out to Facebook and the like. Right, right. But who curates that information? I mean, it used to be that there were, there were news editors before, right? The, mm -hmm. Certainly we have an editorial team over here for this particular show, but now there's blogs, 
people can write whatever they'd like on Facebook. People can write all sorts of things, shoot their own video on YouTube. No one's curating that information. No one's, no one's taking care of it. And so what are the differences between the times where we really only had both of you as our news sources, uh, along with our newspapers and the like, and now where we have something that's a little more unorganized, but yet very powerful. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of curating and archiving going on yeah. <laughs> when, when I was uh, actively working. It, uh, archiving was one of these, uh, well, we'll get to it later. It's something it's, Things got put on a shelf and not really uh, in a system where you could access it later by, by some call up a keyword and find the story for it. Who's curating things now? I don't know. Uh, and Roy mentioned Facebook. One of the reasons I'm not on Facebook is because I'm basically I'm a private person despite my lifelong profession yeah. and I don't want that stuff going out there and I don't know what's going to happen to it in 10 or 20 years. Uh, but I'm not going to put it on Facebook and then demand privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. It's, it's, a different, it's a different environment uh, I guess nowadays. I mean kids as you know as early as their teenage years are know, publicating their, uh, publishing well, their here, life on Here's the on thing that I, that, I, that I think is happening. I think that uh, th there's a lot of self-curating going on. Yeah. I, I don't know if, they, if that's the term, but I, I think that people are being very selective about, you know, what they want to access uh, and informing their their views and, and, and their outlooks on, on, on the world around them based on the things that they're more interested in. Uh, but the thing is that when you talk about things like Facebook and YouTube and uh, there, those are the modern day archives that are out there. Uh, instead of going to the city library to look up something, it's in front of you on your laptop computer or your desktop computer and you can access any archive of anything, of any topic, right at your fingertips. And I think that people who are interested in a, in a specific thing can very easily access that information. It, and, that's, yeah, and I think it's yeah. a little more subject to manipulation than the old way. Uh, the old way a TV station or a newspaper would archive their material, it was within their control. Yeah. Nowadays, if you put something on Facebook and then somehow that pops up on the news and, and you don't like it, I, I think there's a way you can go back and pull that off right. and, and then it's off the internet. And if no one has archived it independently as a third party by that time, it's gone. So that, in that sense, it's subject to much more manipulation now than it was previously. So in this new world, in this in this new world where where we have this kind of of media uh, available to everyone over the internet, whether or not it be curated, um, what what happens to the local community in terms of their mindset? I mean, if they're receiving all sorts of bits and pieces of information, not necessarily looked over by a local uh, team or a regional team or a national team, and and they're getting more and more information through the internet, yet our local sources are small, does that, I would, I would think it hurts the community, let me tell you, let maybe me tell you, you guys the most, think different. The most fascinating thing that I've seen recently uh, happening on local news and, and just news in general is, is how there are civilian journalists everywhere out there and th that are having an impact on the local newscast. For example, if there's a car wreck uh, somewhere or, or a big fire, the first people, or the first uh, footage of video or information is not going to come from the newsman who arrives there with his camera. It's the civilian, it's the, the uh, you know, the person who just happened to be down the street and has the cell phone camera starts taking that picture. That makes its way onto the local newscast. And so we have this, this cadre of, of civilian journalists everywhere. And, and so no matter what kind of news happens, no matter where it happens, the, the public has a direct input and an interactive input into 
having that information disseminated throughout the rest of the community. And to me, that's fascinating as heck because that didn't exist I, 10, I 15 years ago. I think we're at the dawning of the age yeah. of this changeover from passive journalism where you sit back at home and turn on the six o'clock news and watch what they feed you. Yeah. Well, now we're in an age of participatory journalism where everybody out there can join in. Yeah. And they can put in their blogs, their tweets, their video as they pass the, the accident that they happen to see on the way to or from work. It's participatory now. Uh, and your previous question uh, brings to mind the fact that uh, in the past, people would watch maybe three different newscasts. Yeah. And over a period of time, they say, well, I like newscast B better than A and C, and I'm going to watch them. And I think basically the process now is the same. Even though we've got blogs and tweets and uh, everybody contributing to the product, people, the consumer, will look at what's available on the internet, uh, over television, over radio, in the print media, and decide what they like and what they trust. And yeah. basically that process remains the same. Gary, you were, you were at a news team when investigative reporting was, was still very big uh, in, in, in the world, really. Investigative reporting was at the center of really cracking big stories, uh, kind of shedding light on things that the public did not know. Now there seems to be some sort of divestment from, um, you know, a lot of these news sources. Uh, why? Because of, uh, I guess, dwindling proceeds for the newspapers and, and the like. In the, in the era of Twitter and Facebook, are we taking a hit by not having the kind of investigative reporting we used to have? Or, or, maybe, you think, or maybe we haven't lost a, a beat, skipped the beat on investigative reporting. Your thoughts on, on that? Because I know a lot of people are talking. It, it kind of goes in fits and starts. Uh, part of the problem with investigative journalism is it's so chancy and it's so expensive. You can, you can get what seems like a good solid tip on something and pursue it for weeks, maybe even months sometimes, and at the end you find out it's not a story. And everything you've invested in that is, is just wasted. Uh, you have to be very careful in what you choose to pursue. Uh, hopefully it will pay off with a story in the end but it's a long, time-consuming, resource-consuming process, and sometimes it doesn't pay off. And, and that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult. I don't think the local media have given up on it, but you have to be very careful about the stories that you choose to pursue. And, and, I, and I, I think that something that goes along with that, Gary, is, is the liability issues that, uh, that have scared uh, media you know, just to the very core, because uh, if you get it wrong, uh, the, the, the liabilities are, are extremely huge and, uh, and so I think over a period of time uh, after uh, massive lawsuits that have been filed against media operations, uh, I, I think that uh, the, the, the amount of investigative type journalism has, has dwindled almost to a, a point where it's almost non-existence. But I think, I think what has happened is that it's been replaced here again by uh, uh, other options on the internet and, and uh, and, and by the public who uh, itself goes out and investigates on its own. Uh, someone who, who feels that they were wronged at, uh, uh, at, at, the, at, at the gas station or uh, you know, that they were charged too much for a gallon of gasoline, uh, anyone can investigate to see whether they're being charged the right amount of, uh, of money for something like that. And so I, I think the public itself has, on its own, become its own investigative uh, uh, option uh, to, to find out what something is, uh, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, and so we satisfy our, ourselves nowadays uh, to, uh, 
to try to figure out uh, whether something was worth going after uh, in that sense. Is our community, okay, is our community hurt by, say, a lot of this personal investigative reporting or, because here's, here's my take on it. You have a lot of people participating, yet newsrooms hurting and people trying to figure out the new model. In fact, uh, last time that uh, Apple had its biggest release, I guess the iPad, a lot of news journalists were there saying the iPad will revolutionize um, the news industry. Print can now go to the iPad or to these tablets and we'll finally be able to get subscribers again. People still trying to crack that shell of uh, how they're going to deal with media in a new era. Uh, are, are we saying around the table that that news will basically be a, a personal responsibility with some some very basic uh, uh, sources at, at the curating level? I think it always has been a personal choice. Like I said, people will, will look at the different newscasts or they will go through the various sources of news and information on the internet and decide which one of those they want to pursue and trust on a regular basis. Uh, I think to that extent the technology has changed but the process of choosing is, is very, very similar. I think as long as the sources are not diminishing, I think we're in, a, we're in a good situation. As long as we have more to choose from, the more the better, I say. How do we create more in El Paso? That's, that's, that's my biggest thing. I mean, uh, we, we have a community that's fast growing. We have a community that's, that's really looking like the rest of America is uh, going to begin to look like. Uh, a lot of people regarding El Paso as you know, a, a future image of what the country can be because our economy is doing well right now because uh, in the face of a downturn in the economy nationally. So Opa people looking to places like El Paso around the country for, for cues and kind of ideas. If, if you were in a position to advise media here in El Paso about how they become national leaders in, in, in your way of reporting, what, what would that advice be? Uh, pursue the investigative reporting, <laughs> I, suppose, well, yeah, well. I suppose, for one, uh, establish a daily presence, become a trusted source, uh, and I think maybe some cross-media promotion uh, would help, too. There, there are probably sources available on the Internet that uh, people who are pretty much devoted to the newspaper or the, the standard newscasts are not aware of. Yeah. Well, you've got to make them aware of it, and sometimes that means taking out a, uh, an ad in the newspaper, taking out a commercial in one of the TV stations. And the other way around, too. If uh, one of the television stations sees its ratings slipping a little bit, maybe they need a little cross-promotion in one of the Internet sources. Uh, they can't just build the product and put it there and expect people to find it without a little bit of guidance. Yeah. You know, when I, when I think about investigative journalism, uh, I always think of, uh, of an effort to try to stand up for the little guy. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're talking about here is more and more is that how are we going to uh, do journalism uh, or, or have pub uh, information for the public that protects the underdog, the, the little guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're not seeing as much of that anymore, uh, mainly because of the fact that the media outlets are more and more controlled largely by large corporations and large institutions that, who, who control the message, basically. Uh, but they're not looking after the little guy anymore. Yeah. And, and, and in my day and in Gary's day, uh, a lot of the journalism was focused on, on uh, helping and, and, and bringing to light problems that affected the, the little guy in the community. And, and we're not seeing that any longer. Uh, Consumer-based type reporting 
that uh, that focuses on problems that that have to do with how they impact on on the, the community at large. We're, we don't see as much of that any longer. And, it, and here again, I think it goes back to the fact that uh, you know the the ABCs and the NBCs and MSNBC, all the cable networks are all controlled by large corporations who have their particular interest in, at heart and not necessarily the interest of the, of the small consumer. Uh, and and, and ex extending that idea even more uh, at all levels of, uh, of corporate life, large corporations control everything. They control the message yeah. that we get about everything, their products, their services, everything. And, uh, and so who is looking out, who is doing reporting, investigative pieces that, uh, that protect the consumer and the little guy. We're not seeing much of that these days, even with the digital age on us. Well, and precisely with the digital age and uh, such a big onus on on us having personal responsibility and, and watching what's going on in our community and reporting it, uh, someone once told me that, that one's response is only as good as their frame of reference. You know, and, and if we if we don't have a very strong frame of reference, which we could kind of look back to and say, all right, this is what has happened in our community before, this is what's gonna happen next or this is what we can learn from our experience in the past that that personal in reporting and integrity of reporting is it's going to be lackluster at best at, le at least that's my opinion is there any is there any place where we could go and take a look at your old news stories when when you were you know reporting in El Paso is there anywhere where we can maybe utilize this information to collaborate further stories I know a lot of people uh, particularly news organizations, very very picky about their copyright information when online people are moving more and more to, towards a collaborative effort. Uh, that probably doesn't exist right now. I, I think at this point for the television stations it's still pretty much what they hold uh, on their premises. I haven't looked at their internet sites to see how far back you can go in their archives yeah. uh, to reference this material. Uh, what you find, the, the mentality in a lot of newsrooms is what's happening today and how are we getting ready for today and tomorrow. And <laughs> yesterday is yesterday, and that's, that's old news, as they say. So there's less interest in keeping track of the past product than there is in getting on today's product and being ready for tomorrow. And, and we were talking earlier, uh, before we went on the air, that uh, we're, we, we are concerned. I'm concerned about the fact that a lot of the old archives at local radio stations, TV stations, and newspapers seem to be disappearing because uh, it's a massive job to try to catalog and keep a lot of that stuff. It's time consuming and it takes up a lot of space, but uh, I, I think that once the digital age came upon us, uh, it became easier to, to archive a lot of that material, but the old stuff, yeah. going back uh, to the beginnings of, of television, uh, is very, very difficult to hold on to and a lot of it is disappearing and, and it's very sad to see that. Uh, so, so news stations yeah. don't have their own archiving. I mean, uh, they, they don't, uh, they don't they, keep they do, that for the public. They do now, digitally, but uh, beyond a certain point, uh, it, it's, it's, it's gone. I, I know that, uh, that KTSM, many years ago when I was still working there, had gone through a, a basement full of uh, boxes of old TV scripts dating back to the beginning of, uh, of their news operation that they ended up just throwing away. Uh, and, and it was very, very sad to see that because to me, that's, that's not trash, that's not junk, that is a history of the community and a history of the industry. And, and once they throw it in the dumpster, it goes to the, off to the landfill, it's gone. And even in the digital age, although it, <coughs> it makes it easier to, to do some of this archiving, it also presents some problems. In the, the last few years that I was at Channel 7 in El Paso, they began archiving the entire newscasts on DVD. It's much easier to store, it doesn't take up as much room. Right. 
but you have to have a computer program that you can go back to and determine this story ran on what date, I can go back and find the disk for that date. If you don't have the computer program to do that, all the disks are kind of useless. The problem is when you update your computer systems, I saw it happen at least twice, all the old information gets lost. Wow. In, in today's day and age, when we have YouTube and the like, I mean, it, it'd be neat if we could have all those old archives uh, uploaded. And, and here's the reason why it's important that we, we try to retrieve that and, and keep it, is because uh, Gary mentioned that uh, it's so important to have institutional knowledge of, uh, of your community. Uh, if you don't have that, uh, you're not going to have a clear understanding about where we've been to know where we're going, obviously. And, and that's the reason why I, I lament so much the fact that we, we don't have access to uh, that old information because it's important for us today. Yeah. I know a lot of our viewers are going to be curious about this question. Do you miss being on television? Do you miss interacting with the community at that level? Gary will begin with you. No, I did it for more than 30 years. For me, that was enough. Yeah. I enjoyed it while I did it. It was a great career, and I'm grateful to the people of uh, El Paso and Las Cruces who accepted me during that time. But right now, I'm, I'm happy being off the air. Uh, I echo the same sentiment. Uh, I, I spent 34 years in, in the media as well. I, I believe the same amount of time mm -hmm. that you did. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed what I did, and uh, I, I think uh, I was reasonably successful at it. I made a conscious decision to stay in El Paso as opposed to uh, going moving up to the to the largest larger market. Well, Gary actually did. He was he worked at CNN during right. the early years at CNN, uh, and, and I and I also left a couple of times. I went to San Antonio, the next market up from uh, from El Paso, and I also wor worked in Albuquerque. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I I had a wonderful time working in local TV news, and then later on I uh, worked at the El Paso Times. But uh, these days I uh, I'm spending up most of my time helping a nonprofit organization named Project Bravo and uh, volunteering and staying busy and so uh, I, I still think that I'm making some kind of a contribution at least uh, I hope the public still believes that I'm making a, a, a contribution and I'm I'm happy as well. Yeah. We're certainly glad that you're still involved, uh, folks. There's ways in which media is evolving that continues to contribute to our community. I'm Hector H. Lopez. This is another discussion of a changing America. We'll be back next week.